In today's show, I'm going to be talking about the LA Clippers with the new host of the Locked On Clippers podcast, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Yesterday... I explained what we were doing with these season preview shows. We're getting on the host of a locked-on show from that team just to talk about projected lineups, injury updates, rotations, breakouts, regressions, all that sort of stuff. And then later on, when we hit into September, I'll go back and do every team with more information that we've gleaned and look at it from a fantasy perspective. Who's undervalued? Who's overvalued? Why do I think this projection might happen? Why it won't happen? And we're just getting the base where it's like when you're cooking something and you put the onion, you put the garlic, you put the celery, or if you're cooking some other cuisine, you might put ginger in there. You just create the base, whatever that part's, what's that thing called, the milfoil? I don't know. There's something, the name for it at the bottom of the base. That's what we're doing, creating the base, creating the information which seeps into us. So that when we make these decisions later on, where we decide what we're going to do, we've got this basis of information rather than just like, this guy is ranked 20th and his ADP is 24th, therefore I think I should take him. Well, that's not how this works. Again, we over-rely upon ranking numbers and ADP data um, so much. And again, I, w- I want to clear this up again because a lot of people said, I've been saying, I don't know how these sites are doing their rankings. And they go, well, they're just, they're just, they adjust their rankings based on ADP. And I must state this again, that is 100% not true. It is the exact opposite of that. ADP gets heavily influenced by ranking. The rankings that get put out by these sites that influences really, really closely how people draft. ADP means average draft position. So where the player is drafted in drafts, right? They don't adjust their rankings based on where people have been getting drafted. They put their rankings out and they make changes based on feedback or whatever it is, but it's not an automated system where the rank gets adjusted based on what ADP is doing. That is not how it works. And I've had, I've had multiple people suggest to me that they, that's how it works. Um, and I'm here to tell you that it isn't. So I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, right here. Now we get that out of the way. We're going to bring someone in, new host of the Locked On Clippers podcast, Darian. We might as well bring him in, but first, let's uh, hear from Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, no mucking around. Let's bring him in, the new host of the Locked On Clippers podcast, Darian Vaziri. Darian, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited. Just excited about the whole opportunity, and I can't wait to get started talking about my clips. Yeah, here to talk about the Clippers. Now, we are. I just found out as we started to record this, you haven't actually recorded your first episode of Locked On Clippers. So we're, you're making your Locked On Network uh, debut right here on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. And this Clippers team is interesting. I tweeted about this a week or so ago saying, man, this rotation, this, the depth of this team is crazy. So there's a lot for us to try and sort through with this squad. Um, let's just go through the basic details of what's happening here with the Clippers. And, and we'll start off by looking at, at what, what's changed. And really, the two additions, Moses Brown, who knows if he even makes the final roster. But John Wall is the major uh, addition coming across after that buyout with the Rockets. 
We'll talk a little bit more about his role in a second, but the guys they lost, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, Rodney Hood, and Jay Scrub have gone from last year's team. So with John Wall coming in, um, Darian, yeah, how do we yeah, expect that to go? We know that there's a tight relationship between Reggie Jackson and Paul George. Has the Wall situation, is there is that healthy competition? Is Are there concerns with perhaps chemistry? As Does Wall have existing relationships with players on this team? Well, I think the John Wall edition has been a huge topic amongst Clipper Nation and whether he's going to start, how he's going to fit in, how good he's still going to be relative to the John Wall that we saw, obviously, in Washington all those years ago. Does he still think he's that guy as well? And, you know, I think John Wall has the experience of being a, a star in this league and he holds himself to a high standard. But the feeling for me personally is I would like to start the season with Reggie Jackson as our starting point guard just because he has more familiarity with the squad. And I also like his off-ball ability around Kawhi and Paul better because he really was a fantastic catch-and-shoot guy. You know, we had a whole thing catch-and-shoot Reggie during the 2021 season when he was shooting great percentages and just playing some of the best basketball of his career with Kawhi and Paul out there. As for John, what I'm most interested in seeing is how much burst does he still have off the dribble to break guys down and get to the basket and obviously to elevate at the rim. But it's mainly that breaking guys down off the dribble that we've lacked, even with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who, you know, Kawhi's had his fair share of injuries. He's more of a skill, get into the mid-range or post you up kind of guy for his shots. We've really lacked that downhill penetrate and kick kind of guy, and that's why they brought in John Wall. As far as chemistry issues, I think that John – Based on what I've heard and what he said, I think he's going to be totally bought in. I think Ty Lue's done an incredible job, whichever player it has been, a star or role player, of getting them to buy in and buy the culture and the what we're selling here in Los Angeles with the Clippers. Um, but I'm, it's really going to be – the question mark's going to be answered when the season starts in terms of John Wall and how great he's going to be for us. Do you think Moses Brown ends up on this roster? You know, as of now, I think he will. You know, we've had talks about Moses Brown, and then, of course, the – I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but Diabete um, that we picked up in the draft. Yeah, Diabete. Diabete, and we're going to need a backup big of some sort throughout the regular season without Isaiah Hartenstein, who is a big loss. For Huge. me, I was devastated to lose him because he is – as great as you can get for a backup center in this league. He knows his role. He plays super hard. And I was really hoping that he would be part of this amazing roster we've assembled for this upcoming season. But sadly, it didn't work out that way. And that's a big question mark in the roster, too. I'd say the only question mark – actually, no, not the only question mark. But one of the main ones is, are we going to replace Isaiah? Or are we just going to roll with one of these younger guys and go with that? You know, there's been a lot of talk about Ty Lue loves the small ball lineup with Robert Covington at the five. I have a feeling that during the playoffs, we may only play one true center, and that's Ivica Zubats. But during the regular season, we're going to need a little bit of depth and assurance there, in my opinion. So it's going to be interesting to see how we go, uh, how the Clippers go as far as that uh, as we approach the season. You're uh, preempting one of my later questions about the center. We'll get to that in a second. Let's uh, let's talk injuries. There's a, mate, you, you don't know what, what questions I'm asking. They're all secrets in a big stash over here. Now, Injuries. Paul George missed a ton of time, but he returned at the end of last season, and he missed the playoffs not because of injury, because of COVID. Um, Norman Powell missed a ton of time, but he returned. Um, Marcus Morris was injured. He missed a ton of time, but he returned. John Wall didn't play all of last season. That wasn't an injury. The only real injury concern currently, well, not, not I don't even know if it's a concern, is, is Kawhi Leonard, who tore his ACL in June 
2021, early June 2021, the chances of him returning last season were almost, you know, they were infinitesimally small. People still seem to hold out hope for it. But, you know, is there any concern of Kawhi not being ready to start the season? Is it going to be a, is he going to pull a John Isaac and taking you know, a five years off from an ACL? Or is he going to be ready to go with the caveat, of course, that they're going to be really cautious with his injury? But he is fully cleared and, and ready to go now, I'm assuming. See, here's the thing. We're both assuming, but there has not been any report or any truth that Kawhi Leonard is participating in full-on contact, five-on-five basketball, Uh and we haven't heard that. And until I hear that, I'm a little skeptical given all his injury history. And it would be a real bummer, in my opinion, as a fan of the Clippers, but also just a basketball fan, that he wouldn't be healthy and ready to go to start the season. I mean, it's been an entire year. Uh, We were told this was a partially torn ACL, but I'm just taking that as it's a full tear because – this is a pretty it, – it was clearly a very serious injury. and But it has been a whole season. And if the fact that we were talking about him coming back at the end of last season, this just confirms that he was probably nowhere close to even being available for that play-in game or a potential playoff series had we even made it. So there is definitely some nerves amongst Clipper Nation about Kawhi not being ready for game one. But I am – you know, this is my optimistic Clipper fanness talking, but also – what I actually think, and what I actually think is that he will be ready to go come not just opening night, but I think in preseason he'll be ready to go. If, so, if, he's, my hope, my hope, yeah. if he's not ready to go, it means he's had a setback. That's that's simple as it gets, Like, or, or the team's tanking, which they obviously aren't. So if he's not exactly. ready to go, there's something else that's that's happened there. That's that's how ACLs work. It doesn't take 16 months to come back from them, no matter what Jonathan Isaac will tell you. It takes 11 to 12 months, and if he's not back, something else has gone wrong. That is exactly how that stuff works. But, Darian, you're new to the Locked On Network, and I'm sure you're excited to be part of this great team, but the best thing you're going to get as being a part of Locked On is getting to have Bilt Bar, because Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I can't wait till you get that first box delivered to your door and you get to taste the deliciousness that is Bilt Bar. And I hope you get the new flavor, which is the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. It's got soft, marshmallowy-like texture inside. And like all Bilt Bars, it's covered in 100% chocolate. These bars are amazing in terms of their health profile. They're low in fat, they're low in sugar, they're low in carbs, but they're high in protein. So whether you're looking for a snack after the gym, healthy treat, whenever, just grab one, smash it down, and you're good to go. And you can get these delicious Built Bars and Built Puffs and all of the Built products for 15% off as long as you go to Built.com, that's B-U-I-L-T.com, and use our code, which of course is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. That'll get you 15% off your order of Built Puffs and cookie dough chunks and whatever flavor you want. There's so much stuff there. Go and grab them. Built.com, LOCKED15, Built Bar is, of course, Built Different. All right. Your projected starting five, and I asked, I'm asking all these hosts for starting fives, and you sent this to me and went, ah, oh, that's different to what I would have chosen. So here is your projected starting five, and there are so many different ways that this team could go. You've gone with Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Nico Batum, and Ivica Zubats. Now, I think that we can put Zubats, Leonard, and George guaranteed. Starting five, they're starting. The question mark is going to be Jackson or Wall. I do agree with you that I think it'll be Jackson there, but the other one, the Nick Batum spot, it could be Batum, it could be Morris, it could be Covington, it could be Norman Powell. So why have you leaned Nick Batum here in this spot? Well, this is going to be the tough part for some Clipper fans and also a, a honestly something that Clipper fans, a section of them, are going to like me saying. But in my opinion, as much as I like the guy, it is time for the Clippers to move on from Marcus Morris Sr., in my opinion. 
And the reason why I say that is not because he's not a very good player. He could go and help a ton of teams. And last year, we needed his scoring. We needed his shot creation. Um, he's not really a creator for others, but he creates for himself. He can get his own shot. And we really needed that without Kawhi and, of course, without Paul for such an extended portion of the season. But with all these scorers coming back on our team, the, type, the players that don't really contribute when their shots aren't falling are tough guys to have in the playoffs, period, but are really going to have trouble getting into this rotation and being a, somebody who really gives a positive impact consistently. Because that's the one thing with Senior. He's one of those guys where if his shot's not falling, he doesn't rebound enough, and he's usually the second tallest guy on the court for us. And then his lateral movement has really gone down or slowed down over the last couple of years. And sometimes when he's at the rim, he just doesn't really do anything to deter shots. And he's still a very, very useful player, but I just don't feel it. I just don't feel like he has a, a place in this team just because we have too much depth. And Nico Batum, the reason why I went with him is because he's the best, arguably the best complimentary player on our entire team. He has started before with Kawhi, with Paul, with Reggie and Zoo. He has been on the team now. This is his third season uh, with the Clippers. And he's so great off the ball, maybe the best spontaneous off-ball mover on our team. He's a great communicator on defense. He basically is the opposite of Morris, where he doesn't give you the consistent points, but he gives you the consistent everything else. And I think that's more important to surround stars with. So in my opinion, I went with Nico because I hope that Senior's not on the roster. And I really don't mean that out of disrespect because I really love Senior, and I'm always going to have love for him after the 2021 team that – broke the second round curse that stood for 50 years he was huge and had big games so i'll always thank him but that's just my opinion i uh i'll second it i won't be probably as complimentary on marcus morris i think he's significantly overrated and you're right he needs a team where he needs the ball like he needs to be that number one guy like he's not that defender that he allegedly was years ago and yeah when he's in that starting lineup if he's there to be a defensive guy he's the third best defender out of that group anyway so what's the point he i, I mean also like is he is he even a like well, I think he could be a top three, top three scorer on his team, but is he even a top three scorer on our team right now? No, he's With not. With Norman Powell? No, no chance. Yeah, exactly. He's, he, he doesn't rebound, he doesn't pass, he doesn't block shots, he doesn't really get steals. Um, he shot below 50% on twos as a power forward last season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like He's brought in to be this defensive guy. And again, George, Kawhi, Zubats are all better defenders than him. Like He's the fourth best defender and the fourth, fifth best offensive player in the starting group. I, I don't think there's any need for it. He probably will start some games. I would have gone with Norman Powell personally in there just to get some extra shooting and spacing out there. But Batum, as an unselfish player who um, can space space the floor as a bit as well. Interestingly, Batum's only six months older than Marcus Morris. I reckon if you ask most people, they reckon there's five years difference between those two. But Batum can, can pass, connect, defend, provide really good value. I think part of the reason I do like Batum in the, in the bench unit is just that connection. And also, he can do a little bit of small ball center stuff. So him and Covington are sort of switching around in that second unit. But there are so many options this team has. And if we look at their rotation... I've asked you to give like a 10-man total rotation, and we've got Wall, Powell, Terrence Mann, Morris, and Covington. Now, you said you want Morris to be traded, um, and he might be out of there. So yeah, this, this doesn't include Luke Kennard. This doesn't include guys like Amir Coffey, who played such a significant role for this team last season. It doesn't include someone like BJ Boston, who put together a really strong rookie season for a guy picked in the 50s. So there is just so much depth on this team. 
that it is going to be a juggling act at times for um, Ty Lu and how to work out how this squad goes. But I, I tend to agree that that will be the 10-man group. I just have slightly different sp- spots there. And it is going to be hard for Canard, who probably is the 11th man, to find consistent minutes um, on this squad. Let's... We'll talk a little bit more about Canard and guys a little bit later, but let's talk about some of these young guys because this is important for people playing fantasy in Dynasty Leagues. We've got Diabete, who we talked about before, Jason Preston, who just didn't play at all last season. I want to talk a little bit more about BJ Boston, who, as a rookie, I thought was really quite impressive in the limited time he got. He only played 15 minutes, but he played over 50 games. He didn't shoot particularly well, 31% from three, but I just thought when he was out there, he showed the growth signs of a scoring wing. Um, is there a way, Darren, that you could see him pushing ahead of a Terrence Mann or a Amir Coffey and maybe getting to that 10th man spot in the rotation? Not this season. And that sucks because Brandon Boston Jr. could get into a lot of rotations in the NBA. He's a very talented player. He's got great defensive potential with his, defensive potential with his length, and he's, he's really good in the passing lanes. But sadly, I don't uh, think that he's going to be getting in the rotation this year. And mind you, I went to a sit-down with Jerry West a couple weeks ago and it was Jerry West talking to like a hundred or so season ticket holders. And he said he feels as though Brandon Boston Jr. is going to be a star in the future. So hearing that from out of Jerry West's mouth, I mean, that is just, I would be really feeling good if I was Brandon Boston. But I also had a question for you real quick. So on your starting lineup, you went with Kawhi at the four? Yeah, or, or Kawhi, because or Paul, Paul George just refuses to be called a four. But basically those two interchanging the three and four. Paul George is six foot 11. He thinks he's a shooting guard. He's not. But yeah, whatever. E- either way between those two. Yeah, that I would say I don't mind that at all, and I've suggested lineups like that. I guess my only concern with Powell and Reggie in the backcourt would be maybe it's a little too small yep. as opposed to okay. what I went with with three wings. So, but yeah. Yeah, I think that if I was totally back to the lineup, starting lineup stuff, I'd be just yeah looking to mix and match this stuff. You got the three guys locked in there, and then you know, you, you rotate maybe that fifth spot, maybe Reggie and John Wall. You, you make a decision there, but that other spot, Powell, Batum, Morris, Canard, whoever, Terrence Mann. At times, you can just rotate those guys through depending on situation and opponents and health and rest and all that sort of stuff. Um, do you think yeah. Yeah, we're not going to see much of Jason Preston this season, are we? Like he missed all of last season. I thought he was had some real potential as a point guard, but now he's going to be the third string guy. And yeah, Reggie and John Wall aren't necessarily pillars of health, which we could probably put that title on anybody on this team. But we're just not going to see much of Preston this season, are we? No, I don't think so. Especially because Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey and Norman Powell all split some time handling the ball towards the end of last season. So. We have options, like so many of them. And it's sad for players like Brandon Boston and Jason Preston. Weirdly enough, when I'm, I go through and do projections for every team, uh, Darian, and looking at the Clippers team and the other team that was so weird in terms of just a bunch of rotation guys, obviously at a different caliber, was the Pistons with like 12 or 13 rotation caliber guys. Now, they've got 10 guys who are probably ninth men, whereas the Pistons have got, uh, the Clippers have got yeah, 10 guys who are probably fourth or fifth guys in rotation. So it is different, but there's not many teams that have this much depth and this much in terms of rotation decisions that need to be made. You did preempt me a little bit with this before, but we'll ask it now. Do they actually need another center? Because Covington played center down the stretch a lot last season. Uh, Zubas was injured at times. Hartenstein missed some time. But Hartenstein, you said he's one of the best backup bigs in the league. He's, to me, he's a clear starting caliber center. And I think he should start for the Knicks, but he won't. Do they need another center? Because there are some centers out there. You could go and get Hassan Whiteside to be a backup center. There are some guys floating around that you can get. And I'm sure if you wanted to get Alex Len off the Clippers, it wouldn't no, off the Clippers off the Kings, it wouldn't take very much to get him, considering all their centers. Do they need another center though? 
I think we could use one for the regular season. I mean, I think of a situation where what if Zubats is in foul trouble and we're playing against a Jokic or a DeAndre Ayton kind of guy where the small ball is just going to get us killed on the glass or maybe in the post if they're good enough in the post like Jokic and Embiid and Ayton when he's, when he's really locked in can be. So I do think we're going to need a backup center for the regular season. I just think that even though it's kind of the game has shifted away from the traditional center, I think having two on the roster at least – is still something you might need. And I'm guessing you don't think that Moses Brown is necessarily... I don't, but I'm guessing you don't think he's necessarily that option. I'm down to give him a chance. I'm down to watch the first game, first couple games, and and be open-minded about him being the potential backup center. But obviously, it would be... I would be more assured if we picked one up. However, I'm not... I'm not concerned with that really that much. I'm... If he... If the if the uh, coaching staff thinks that Moses Brown could be the backup center and they want to give him a chance to do it, I'm in full support of the coaching staff because if it's if he's not, then they'll make the necessary adjustments, and that's the best part about being a Clipper fan in 2022 that you can't say the same about in 2012 or even before is that now I have full confidence in the organization and coaching staff and ownership. I guess that's part of the organization, but that will make the right decisions. And in the past, the Clippers have not been known for smart management and a well-run organization. So I'm confident regardless. All right. So I'm going to look at, I'm looking at this list of available free agent centers and tell me which one of these guys you would prefer. It's not the greatest list, let's be honest. There's Montrez Harrell. Who knows what's happening with his uh, legal problems? Are we looking at a reunion there? LaMarcus Aldridge. No comment. No comment. <laughs> okay. LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, a Blake Griffin reunion, a Markeith Morris Maybe, maybe there is Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard, Ed Davis, Tristan Thompson, Demarcus Cousins, Greg Munro. Any of those names stand out to you? I wouldn't say any of them stand out, but I would be down to take on uh, the Munros, the Whitesides, just for like, and I'm only talking five to 10 minutes a game, 15 max in desperation mode. Like not even anybody that may even be a consistent piece to the to the rotation. But obviously when you mention a name, like Blake Griffin in front of a Clipper fan. I mean, that's definitely gonna gonna uh, trigger some emotions for sure. Do I think we need Blake? Do I think he'd be a benefit to this team? Not necessarily, but oh boy, if he's coming to the Clippers, I'm picking him up from LAX. <laughs> I, that's my guy. I mean, that, that's Blake Griffin. He changed this whole franchise. So if he's there just to sit on the bench and wave to fans. I'm in full support of it, but the old uh, Udonis Haslam role, bring, bring him in there, sit there till he's 45, and just uh, just collect some checks on the bench after uh, nothing more. after he was traded away. All right, we talk. We know we know that the Clippers. We talked about it a lot. There's some older players. There's some injury prone players. How cautious are they going to be with load management? I think we can assume that Kawhi is going to sit out most back-to-backs, at least to begin the season. He did play some back-to-backs before the torn ACL, but he's coming off a torn ACL. He's 32, whatever he is. He's going to miss a bunch of time. But with the other guys who have injury histories in the past, like Paul George has missed a lot of time, but they're weird things like an elbow ligament sprain. Like, okay, cool. Like that's not something that necessarily um, needs to be dealt with through load management. We've seen you know, John Wall, who's missed a bunch of time, but he hasn't actually been injured in three years. You've got Reggie Jackson, who's had his own ankle problems over time. Morris has had this knee issue. Batum's old and's had knee and a whole bunch of arm and uh, sort of injuries, shoulder injuries. How aggressive are, is this team? Again, given the depth, are they just going to be able to say, well, all right, Paul George, you're not playing every back-to-back. John Wall and Reggie Jackson, you guys just switch who plays each one. Um, how, how hard are they going to go at that? 
I think they're going to go. Kawhi plays no back-to-backs. Paul yep. George plays no back-to-backs. And then everybody else will play every game that they can, except occasionally when they feel as though Reggie Jackson, mainly Reggie Jackson. I don't see them doing this with Terrence Mann or Norman Powell or any of those guys, but Reggie Jackson was worked really hard last season, and I remember they gave him a couple of games off after a long stretch where he'd been playing a lot and playing heavy minutes in those games. So I could see them doing that. But at the same time, depending on the overall health of our team, Reggie Jackson will not be carrying nearly the same weight he was last season. So maybe you won't even need to do that. So it really all depends on the overall health of the team. The one thing I can guarantee is I, I'll I'm not guarantee, but I can speak on this with uh, confidence. I think that Paul George and Kawhi will both not be playing back to backs. Definitely not Kawhi. Kawhi is, is no way. Um, Paul George, I agree, is going to miss some time. Here's this question for you then. Will Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, will they hit 60 games played? That's my target goal for them. I want them to. And I think if they play 60 plus games and are healthy going into the playoffs, there's no reason why the Clippers shouldn't have their first ever 60 win season. I truly believe that because even though 20 games is a lot, if you think about it for a star, we have so much depth and not only depth, but experience playing without stars, not even just without one of them, without both of them to, to make me believe that on a given night, we can beat anybody. And we also got to think the whole NBA is load managing stars. Now it's not just us. So we're going to have advantages on given nights as well. Even with maybe a star down, we may still have the better team. Yeah, I, th- I think at this point, the Clippers probably probably are the Western Conference favorite. That's my early... I haven't really dug into it uh, completely, but I think they are the favorite at this point. And I, Thank you. I do think that those guys will get to 60, maybe like one or two games over, but that, that's about it. I wouldn't push... I wouldn't yeah. think they're getting anywhere close to um, 70. Now, we, you talked already, we both think Reggie Jackson will be the starting point guard. But is this going to be a platoon, like a 26, 22-minute split? Or is Reggie going to play 31 and John Wall strictly as a backup? Or are we going to see those guys basically just splitting that role? I think it'll be splitting that role. However, it really all depends on how John Wall looks. I have more confidence in knowing what Reggie Jackson's going to look like, obviously, because this is his third full season with the team coming up. And John Wall, as you said earlier, we haven't seen him even wasn't injured, but he didn't play the whole season last year. So, you know, the history of players not playing a full season uh, doesn't always bode well. So we'll see how he looks. It really all depends on how John looks. But I would, if I had to guess, it's going to be a split. I have a question for you. What, mm-hmm. um, what did John Wall average the last season that he played? So in the 2020-2021 season, what, what were his averages? Do you have any idea what, he's, what he averaged? 18 and 7? He averaged 20, 20 and 7. Okay, in, so it was off by two points. Yeah, in 32 minutes. So he and he, that was him sitting out a season and a half prior to that. Now, he didn't do it particularly efficiently. He had a true shooting of 50, which is a horrible number. But he still came in off that rusty return from Achilles injury and still put up 20 and 7. Again, it wasn't efficient. It wasn't particularly productive because the team was terrible. But he still was able to put up some pretty solid numbers. And he's missed another year here. I think he's going to be solid enough. He's not going to average 20 points on this squad. But I think he's going to be still reasonably useful for this team. And, and I tend to agree it's going to be like a 25-23 or 26-22 type situation there at point guard. Is there a breakout candidate for you on this team, given how hard it's going to be for these guys like Mann or Coffee or Boston to crack into the rotation? You, are you asking who could have like a breakout season yeah. or somebody breakout season? You know, I think if it's a Zubots, as crazy as this sounds, no, no, even though no, he's like more that. of an established, established name, I think he's gotten better every year. 
I think just playing more years with the same team is only going to benefit him. He and Kawhi had a really solid chemistry with their pick and roll, even dating back to when we had Glenn Rivers as our coach. Glenn. And yeah, well, I don't, I don't use the <laughs> D word, <laughs> and I won't be using it as, as host of Locked On either. But, but Zoo also has this potential of when you when you throw him the ball in the post, he has a nice right-handed jump hook, which you know the jump hook is kind of a lost art these days. And I really like when he goes to it. I just think sometimes we don't look to him as a go-to guy enough when he can be a I think he can be a 15 and 10 guy. I know his, his numbers are around that, but I really think that he could be 15 and 10. And especially with no backup center, even though we're going to embrace small ball more, I think that if it's a Zubats, Ty Lu and the coaching staff and the rest of the players view him as a really solid player on both ends. And I think he's, if he averaged 30 minutes, he would be a double double average every night. I stand by that strong. I think he's a little under that right now. How many minutes he's averaged? He averaged 24 last season. So that was my next that's question. What, like, that's what, what I'm saying. He averages 30 minutes. He's an easy double-double guy. Yeah, it's a thir- every day. 13, 14, and 10 really, really simply. Like last season, he averaged 10 and – where's my numbers? He averaged 10 and 8.5. And like he smashes that number. So the, I guess the question is, does he play 30 minutes or does he play like 27 and they go small the other 20? See, that's the question. I don't know if I can answer. I think – you're on the right track with if he doesn't play 30, that's what he's going to be doing. 27 and the rest small ball. But you know what? Because I want it to happen, I'm going to say he's averaging 30 minutes for the first time in his career this year. I think that's legitimately possible. I I, I really like Zubats as a player. So I. Um, I actually like Hartenstein a little bit more, but he's gone. So it's all, it's all for Zubats here. And he's got a real opportunity to, to if he stays out of foul trouble in particular, to, to put up some uh, bigger minutes. Now, a regression candidate. Like when we look at the guys, what they did last season, there are going to be guys who drop off because of course you're, reinserting Kawhi Leonard into this rotation and you're adding John Wall. So who do you think is going to suffer a well, the biggest drop-off from what they did last season? Well, if Marcus Morris is still here, then it's going to be him without a shadow of a doubt. Besides senior, I'd say Reggie Jackson. He needs to be okay with this, though. He needs to understand that it's not going to be the same heroic Reggie skipping up the court against the Lakers, shooting game winners left and right. And he's not going to have those same reins and that same amount of usage and control. He needs to go back to being a role player, and he, he may not even be a – I don't even consider Reggie a top three player on this team, which just shows – because last year was one or two. Yeah. I, I definitely was, was – without Paul George, he's definitely one or two. It's him and Marcus Morris Sr. were leading the way. Um, but Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. for sure. My other candidate for that is, as we talked about, Luke Kennard, just because the minutes are going to be tough for him to come by. However, I think Luke Kennard, there really is a place for him in this team. You can't get enough shooting and floor spacing in the NBA. And one thing I love about him, he's not static either. He's constantly moving without the ball. And he's one of those players on our team that does that better than anyone. Reggie Jackson played 31 minutes a night last year. That's going down. Marcus Morris played 29. That's probably going down. Kennard played 27 and a half. That's probably going down. Terrence Mann played 29 minutes a game. That's probably going down as well. Amir Coffey played 23 minutes a game. So there are a bunch of players who are going to lose significant chunks of playing time. Now, this question, I think, answers itself. But if you just looked at the first slide that I put up of like comings and goings, John Wall in, Hartenstein out, I could make an argument and say, hey, you know what? Based on that, the Clippers got worse. But they didn't because Kawhi Leonard's back. Paul George is going to play more than 30 games, we assume. So this team is better than last season. We've already talked about that. I don't know how much more we need to add on to that. But let's go to the next part. Who's the most, I think we've answered this as well. Who's the most likely player to be traded? It's Marcus Morris Sr. without a question. 
I uh, I agree with that as well. Now, I've got a couple of little cheeky quiz questions for you. I uh, debuted this segment on yesterday's show talking about some of the numbers that are put up over on the Basketball Index site. And they have some grades called three-point shooting talent, playmaking talent, and finishing talent. Now, three-point shooting talent is not just the percentage which a shot goes in. It's based on the difficulty of shots, the creation of those shots, um, the percentage of them, the volume, all that sort of stuff. Playmaking talent is not just assist numbers. It's yeah, potential assists and assists and creating open shots and finishing is, is finishing at the rim through contact, open and, and contest and all that sort of stuff. So... With that in mind, there's no wrong answers here, even though there is a right answer. Who do you think would have graded out the highest on this Clippers team as the highest three-point shooting talent? Paul George. Who? Now, Paul- oh, actually, I'm sorry. Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard. The answer is Luke Kennard. Yes. Yeah, now, there Luke- we go. We, we said, and I did the Bucks yesterday, and Grayson Allen shot like 45% from three for 40% or 40% of the season, but wow. he wasn't the highest three-point shooting talent because he takes so many open shots. Luke Kennard's different. Right, 45% three over the course of the season. He takes tons of them and he makes difficult ones and he played a lot of minutes. The volume was there. Um, that was great. And that's when you talk about like, he might not be in the rotation, but you probably need to find a spot for the guy who is clearly, I think, the best three-point shooter on this team and can just shoot it with so much versatility in different ways. And that is super important. So, hey, here you go. One for one. What about playmaking talent? Who's the best playmaker on this team from last season? Again, not the most assists, the guy that's creating for others, open shots for others, scoring gravity that opens things up. Who was the best player graded for their playmaking talent last season? By the eye test, without a shadow of a doubt, it's Paul George. The, what he does on the court when he's there is, is different than anyone else. Yeah. It, it is definitely Paul George. So, well, that's two from two from you. What that, <laughs> if you get this one, you are absolutely the Clipper God. You are the greatest Clipper person of all time. Who had the highest finishing talent? On this now, I'm, I'm gonna because this, this is a tough one. I am gonna read the basketball index description on finishing talent if I can find it. This metric analyzes a player's ability to get to and finish at the rim using the getting to the rim and finishing at the rim ratings, as well as regressing smaller sample size. You can use this metric to compare among players with the confidence that the degree of difficulty is being captured and adjusted to allow comparison of players' talent in as neutralized an environment as possible. The way the math is calculated, players creating their own offense rather than the finishing dump-offs will be rewarded more in this metric. So, who has the highest finishing talent on this team based on the numbers from last season? Again, if you get it, unbelievable. It's. I'm thinking it's one of either two guys. I'm thinking Terrence Mann or Norman Powell. The answer, you're in the, you're in the sort of the right ballpark. The answer was actually a mere coffee. I was thinking that. Um, I was thinking that. He is a good finisher, especially going to his left. Amazingly, so yeah, it's not like, you know, who's just dunking the ball? Like Zubats would get tons of those, but that's was, not yeah, really... Yeah, I was thinking Zub, but then when you said that, I was like, it's not Zub. All right, and the last quiz question for you. Which active player has Paul George played against the most in regular season and playoffs combined? So which player has he gone up against in games the most times active in the NBA? <laughs> I'm going to go with, because of three consecutive playoff series plus the 2017 playoffs, I'm going to go with LeBron James. The answer is LeBron James. 
Darian, hey. you, you've passed all of this. Fantastic. The actual the the play he's gone up against the most is actually Kyle Corver with by two games over LeBron James. But of course, Corver has retired. He's joined a coaching staff somewhere now. I don't remember where he ended up going. But uh, interestingly, LeBron there they when they did most of those matchups in the Eastern Conference. Now they're both of course in LA, and maybe there'll be a uh, an LA playoff series at some point with the Clippers as the one and the Lakers maybe getting through the play in to get into the eight seed. But that, oh my goodness! <laughs> you, hey, you never know. Imagine, imagine that for a series. That'd be pretty cool. Um, I reckon that will wrap us up here, Darren. So, again, you haven't done your first Locked On Clippers podcast, but tell us what's going on, where they can find you, work you do, and what they can expect from the Locked On Clippers podcast coming up. Well, I just want to say thanks, Josh, for having me on the show. It's been great to make my debut on on Locked On, and I'm super excited to start this. It's a dream come true of mine to be talking about my favorite team that I've supported now for 18 years here in L.A., this is my 18th year as a fan. I love the team. I don't know what else to say. I watch every game. I have my own YouTube channel and podcast called Dime Dropper, where I'll still be I'll still be continuing as well, along with Locked On Clippers, uh, where I go live after most Clipper and Laker home games. I also give the Lakers side of things too because I've grown up watching them as well, even though I don't root for them. And then I'm huge on NBA history. I make constant content on the history of the game. You can find that on YouTube and on Twitter. Then, of course, on Instagram as well, at Dime Dropper Pod. So history of the game. Clippers, Lakers, and then the general NBA, of course, at large as well, especially during playoff time. But that's me. So make sure you are following Darren and all those multiple things that he's doing. If you're a Clippers fan, of course, you've got to be over there subscribing and following to the Locked On Clippers podcast. Darren, thanks so much for coming on and talking about the clips with me here on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thanks so much, Josh. Appreciate it. And that will do it for today's show. Don't forget, Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, you know what to do. Chuck a thumb, leave a comment, drop it down below. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.